ask you to please rise then. Our sermon is on Luke 10, 38 through 42. We're going to be looking at Mary and Martha. And I read in Jesus' name. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Let us pray. Father, as we come to seek to understand and apply your word, I ask that your Holy Spirit would come upon us and change us, and indeed to make us more like Christ. Lord, that we might live out your truths, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. And I've been... I've entitled this sermon, Action and Relationship. Note, this is not action versus relationship. And sometimes that gets preached. You know, we need to have this relationship with Jesus, not about what we do. Well, that's not 100% true. So as we look at this, we need to think about these things in, in two different hands because that's what we see with Mary and Martha. We see them interacting with Christ in very different ways. And... um. Martha is a hostess. How many of you know someone who is really good at hospitality? Any of you? Yeah. I know somebody that's really good at hospitality. I happen to be married to one of them that are really good at hospitality. So Kirsten and I were discussing this um, earlier this week. And was it that a hostess does? They create an environment, don't they? They clean the house and make sure that everything's organized. Well, sometimes their husbands do that too, but seldom. Um, No. But they make sure that everything's organized, but it's clean so that it's welcoming. So I was in um, choir tour when I was in Bible school, and I, I came to a house of a very neat couple. And they were very neat. They had white carpet, neat. And I remember sitting down on their couch, and they had, their couch was full of pillows. And I don't understand this, like, why are couches full of pillows? And so there wasn't room for me to sit. And, you know, it was the only seating was on this couch. So I took the pillows and I put them on the floor. And the husband leaned forward in his chair. And he looked at me and he said, that pillow, I don't know which pillow, but he said, that pillow was a gift. We really like that pillow. I'm like, well, I took the pillows. There were three or four of them. And I put them on my lap. (laughs) Because I'm like, what else do you do? Were they being a hostess or a host to me? No. Their house was immaculately clean. Like, I felt, I felt bad walking in there with dirty socks, you know, because they had been in my shoes all day. This, the, it was ridiculously clean, they, but they created an environment that made people feel uncomfortable. A proper host or hostess created an environment that people want to be in. And so that's what Martha's doing. Martha's creating an environment, at least that's her goal, because she invited Jesus into her home. You know, so she's going to create an environment that Jesus wants to be there. And we do this in our lives, don't we? So what, why does Jesus want to be in our lives? 
Why does Jesus want to live in our heart? Does he want to live in our heart? Because you know what? This is such a comfortable place. There's nothing bad happening here. It's all clean. It's all organized. It's, it's orderly. There's plenty here. Is that why Jesus wants to live in our hearts? Is it because? No. It's not because we're a good host or hostess. You know, think about that. Is Jesus willing to come into our house when it's messy? Does Jesus then come in and say, hmm, not good enough? No. He doesn't come in. He doesn't, he doesn't condemn us because the dishes aren't done and the beds aren't made. You know, you think about that. Really, we, think of, you need to, we need to think about this. I've never thought about it in these terms before. Seeing Martha, and probably because we were getting things ready for Rachel's birthday party, you know, and we were trying to clean our house, which was quickly destroyed and demolished as um, we have children. Linda. Yeah, and yeah, we, we did that too. Um, for our house. Yeah, so like Linda just said, as we interact with Jesus in our hearts, are we hiding our mess somewhere else? And shutting that door, like Kirsten and I did when we had people over. <laughs> like I did. <laughs> nobody, nobody comes into our bedroom. That's where we put all the stuff that's like, where do we put this? In a tote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's not all kids' toys either. Some of my tools were in there. <laughs> Maybe. Go for it. Mary, okay, so Mary and Martha live in Bethany. Uh, they are friends of Jesus, and Lazarus, Lazarus is a friend of Jesus. And so Jesus was coming through Bethany, and uh, they, didn't, they had hotels and they had inns, but oftentimes if you were a traveling rabbi or if you were a friend, you would stay at someone's house. And so this was an honor. She was honoring Jesus by allowing him to stay there because it wasn't just Jesus, it was also his disciples. And so she was preparing this for all of them. But Mary and Martha, at this point in the story, they aren't anybody. You know, they are, they are people who live there. We don't, I'm sure church history has some discussion on, like, their marital status and stuff like that, but I don't know it right offhand. And so, yeah, they're, this is before Lazarus' death, death, yeah, because that happens more so towards the end of the story. And so, that make sense? Because, yeah, I'm, okay, yeah, and so this is, these are two sisters, and they have a brother named Lazarus, Lazarus as well, and he's the one that Jesus raised from the dead, Lazarus, so good question, and so as we're interacting with Jesus then, he doesn't stay in our lives because our lives are so clean, and so the question is, how do I know if I am acting like Martha? Well, the interesting thing is Jesus tells us. Well, Luke tells us, because she is discontent. And a woman named Martha welcomed her, him into her house, and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Martha's not happy with this whole situation. There is something wrong, and that discontent is a gift. When God gives us that discontent, why does he give it to us? It's in order to make our lives miserable, right? Things aren't going, things aren't going the way that I want them to. You know, I don't know Martha's plan, but as she was organizing all of this, 
she was realizing that there wasn't enough of her. There wasn't enough Martha to go around. Any of you mothers ever feel like that? There's not enough mother to go around? You know, fathers feel like that too at times. There's not enough of me to go around. Well, that's a good sign that I'm doing something wrong. Because God has given this much of me, well, this much of me. <laughs> Maybe, yeah, well, it should be less of me sometimes. Um, but God has given this much of me to the world. Am I using it right or am I using it wrong? If I'm using it wrong, discontent's going to come up. I'm not able to get done as much stuff as I'd like to get done. Is that God's fault or is that my fault? God, you should have made it so I don't have to sleep. Right? No, that's, that's on me. And so this discontent tells me that there's something wrong in my relationship with God. That somewhere along the line, I'm angling my desires or I'm angling my emotions or I'm worshiping the wrong thing. I'm angling these things wrong. There's something wrong in my heart. This discontent that Martha brings to Jesus is a revelation of that what she's doing isn't right. She is distracted with many things. And so what does Jesus do? In love, Jesus rebukes her. He says, Martha, Martha, there's a problem here. You are anxious and distracted. That is a rebuke. I have never heard someone say, hey, good job. You are so anxious. Have you? Kevin, that distractedness. boy. You know, we never say that. This is a rebuke. And so Jesus is revealing to Martha her sin. She's anxious. Why do we feel anxiety? Well, it's a generalized fear. I'm, I'm fearful about many things. Well, then we call that anxiety. There's lots of fear in me. Well, why should she be afraid? Jesus entered into her house. Well, maybe he's not going to like it here. and He's going to leave. If he really knew what was in my bedroom <laughs> and all those totes, if he really knew that, I don't think he'd like being here. He might think poorly of me. You know, that's fear. That's the fear that we have, right? If I actually was open and honest with Jesus, would he stay? If I didn't do everything in my power and beyond that to please him, would he stay? But then as I'm asking those questions, I don't get to spend any time with Jesus because now I'm trying to work to please Jesus. And that doesn't work. That makes me distracted. And so now, how... Actually, it was, it was interesting. I'm going to use this last night because Kirsten was talking to Bree and they were teasing me about not doing enough. Maybe I should be doing more cooking with the, um, when we have birthday parties and stuff like that. I don't think anybody would want to eat a cake that I grilled. That's, that's, I'm better on the smoker and the grill. Smoked cake. Hmm. Lou, we're going to have to figure that out. <laughs> Carmen would like that too. But as Kirsten's getting everything organized, she actually said, you know, one of these days, maybe I'll be organized far enough advanced so that I can actually spend time with the people that come. Think about that. That's what Martha was doing with Jesus. She was, he, she was preparing all of her life, making it as good as she could. But then she wasn't spending any time with Jesus. She wasn't building that relationship. That's why we have birthday parties, so we can build relationships. Well, that's not the only reason, but there's one of the reasons. And then if we're so busy that we can't, we're doing something wrong. And so that's what we see happening in Martha. But what do we see happening in Mary? So Martha, for her, her actions are first. She wants to do everything right so that she can have a relationship. But by doing everything as right as she thinks she's doing it, she misses the relationship. Mary puts the relationship 
first. So Mary, what, what is she doing? She's just, she's just interacting with Jesus. You know, and so does this mean, okay, what does my Christian walk look like? Okay, I'm just going to pray, and then I'm good. I'm just going to shoot up some prayers or read my Bible every now and then, and that's all the interaction with Jesus. You know, that's, that's all my Christian walk is. No. The cool thing about Christianity, where does the Holy Spirit live? Inside of us, right? If you're a Christian, he lives in you. And so is there any time when you can't talk to him? Is there any time that you can't interact with the Holy Spirit? Is there, do you have to go to a certain place in order to interact with the Holy Spirit? No. Well, what's the reason that we go to church then? Well, we go to church so that we can be taught how to interact with the Holy Spirit. This is supposed to be a microcosm of our whole lives. That's what church is supposed to be. It's supposed, our lives are supposed to be filled with confession and profession. They're supposed to be filled with singing and praising. They're supposed to be filled with meditating on the Word of God. That's what I am supposed to represent here. I, you know, why do we give offerings to put our desires? Because where your treasure is, your heart is also. So why do we give offerings to God? Well, because the church needs the money. No. If God wanted the church to have as much, you know, whatever sort of funding, he could give it. He is God after all, right? Believe it or not, we aren't. And so if God wanted our church to have a million dollars, he could do it. But then why do we come and give money? To set our desires upon God. So our lives are supposed to be all about that. We're supposed to be setting all of our desires because, and so we, we emblemize that through giving our time and giving our money. They're all supposed to be given to God. All of these things are supposed to be for Him. And so that's what church is about. So why do we have church? So we have a, we have a methodology by which we can interact with God. Rachel. We can. We should. You're right. We should put our lives, we should put them upon us, you know, and look at the world through their eyes. Because Mary is the one that was doing what was right. Jesus was more important than the situation. She was willing to neglect the situation in order to be with Jesus. That doesn't mean that we just spend all of our time cloistered away in some monastery praying or reading the Bible. But as we're going about our lives, are we doing this for the sake of Christ or am I doing this for the sake of me? Am I doing this in order to please Christ or am I doing this because Jesus loves me? You know, and she focuses on Christ as opposed to focusing on all the other things. Because then we can let things drop because we know that they aren't what's important. If there's not enough of me to go around, that means that there's not enough of Jesus in me. Because then he'll prune away all of that other green growth that doesn't produce fruit. Because that's what the Father does, isn't he? He is the vine dresser. We're told that in the book of John. I am the vine, you are the branches. Father is the vine dresser, and he prunes away those things which don't bear fruit. Praise God. And so our focus then is supposed to be on Christ. It can be. And I, I use the word supposed to be, but I also can use the word can be. Our focus can be on Christ and on his love for us. Because Jesus entered into this home before Martha got all worried and flustered. And so why does Jesus come in? But as he comes in, what does he do? He helps. He teaches. He leads. He guides. We were talking about that in our Philemon Bible study. Is Jesus Lord? Jesus is Savior. Yeah. That's what his name means. The Lord saves. Is he the Christ? Is he the one that fixes everything? Yeah. Is he Lord? 
Is he the one that we submit to and that we obey and that we trust and that we rely on and that we hope in and that, that we follow? Is he Lord? Because that's who he is. Are we treating him like that? As he enters into our lives, he teaches us that so that he can help us to organize even the stuff in our bedrooms and in our basement. We have friends who, they, they had some friends over and they said, oh, you're basement friends. We'll, you know, we got to go and get something. They allowed them into their basement. We focused on Christ or we focused on all these other things that he is the only one that knows how to sort out. Which one is better? One was rebuked and one was praised. Think about that. Well, I'd like to be praised. Okay, good. Spend time with Jesus. Figure out. Ask him. This, this isn't on you. Remember, you're not, we're not called to do this in order to get Jesus to stay. If you trust Jesus, he's in you. And so then we don't clean up our lives in order to get Jesus to stay. That's not the point. We clean up our lives out of love for Jesus because that's the direction that this is supposed to go. Jesus loves me, therefore I'm going to. It's not I'm going to do this so that Jesus loves me. Or if I don't do this, then Jesus won't love me. Those aren't the right ideas. Jesus loves me, therefore I do. Jesus cares about me, that's why I follow him. God is my Father. He's the one that provides. Therefore, I don't have to worry. Our relationship comes first. Our actions come second. And where there's good relationship, there will be good actions. And that's the way that the world works. That's the way that God set it up to be. Mary has chosen the good portion. And this is really like, okay, Joe, I know all this. Well, good. Live it out. Because these relationships fractal out into our lives. You guys know what fractals are, right? Fractals are repeating patterns. Most, they're mathematical. But as, these, as, you, as they chart these, um, I want to say algorithms, but they're not algorithms. As they chart these equations, they find repetition. And that's a fractal. And so it's a, it exists in the small and it exists in the large. And as you zoom in, it just keeps repeating and repeating. And that's a fractal. And that's the way that our lives is. Like our lives are. Because who is your God? So you think about Mary and Martha. For them, who was God? You know, who was Martha serving? Herself. I want to be good enough so that God will come into my life. Who is she trusting? Herself. I can be good enough so that Christ can be in here. I want this all to be good enough. Who is she trusting? Who is her God? As opposed to Mary. Who is Mary's God? All of this stuff can go away. I'm going to trust Jesus. I'm going to spend time with him. I'll let Martha be mad at me. Think about that. You think Mary didn't notice? I'm pretty sure she probably did. And so she saw it. She said, you know, it doesn't matter. I'm going to spend time with Jesus. She was willing to ignore her own sister. I'm going to spend time with Jesus. And so as we ask those questions, who is my God? It changes the way that we interact with everybody else. Because as, as a father, I'm supposed to represent God. As a dad, as a pastor, I'm supposed to represent God. So... I can see my view of God by the way that I live out my life. How do I interact with my children? Are my children just a burden to me or are they a blessing? If my children are a burden to me, then I'm not really representing God very well. 
there's something wrong in my view of God. Because if I'm interacting with Soren or Rachel or Anton as if they were just a burden, then what, are, what does that reveal about my relationship with God? Think about it. That means that I view God, my, in my relationship with God, I view myself as a burden to him. Because if I view myself as a loved, beloved child of God, that's going to bleed out into my relationship with my children. That's going to bleed out into my relationship with my parishioners. That's going to bleed out into my relationship with my wife. If I view myself as a beloved child of God, but if I view myself as a burden upon God, he's got to deal with me all the time. He's got to fix all my mistakes. He's got to forgive all my sins. And just, God, I wish I could be better for you. So you didn't have to put up with me all the time. That's then how I'm going to interact with my kids. You, then, okay, you're right. Good. Then God is also a burden upon me because he's always revealing my mistakes, revealing my sins. And then that's going to reveal how I interact with my, my father or my pastor or the people in authority over me. And, well, then that's true too. Because then I'll teach them how to interact with their authority in that way. And so, good, because that's within this as well. So the way that I see God is the way that I'm going to teach my kids to interact with me. Is God just a genie in the sky? Or is God my loving father? Or is God the sheriff just looking to catch me speeding? So what do we do? We bring in truth. We insert truth into all this. What is the truth? How do we know the truth? Well, the word of God tells us. What does God say about us? You are my beloved children. You know, you want to see the love that God has for you? Read through the book of Psalms. You want to see that love that God has for his people? His desire to see them live a holy life for their benefit. His desire to bless and to just to, to make the world work what is best for them. You read the minor prophets. Like, it's all throughout there. People are like, oh, it's so depressing. I've been reading through the Minor Prophets all year, and I keep seeing new stuff. And it's like, man, God loves us so much that he's not going to put up with our garbage, but he's going to try to sanctify us. This is the love of God. You know, read how much God loves us, how much God cares about us, how much trust he puts into us that we would be lights into this world. You see the honor that God gives us as human beings? It's crazy that he has made us in his image. Why did he do that? Oh, I'm kind of bored, and I'm going to see what sort of game I'm going to play. No, he's saying this is your calling. And so then we have to take our lies and insert truth. And then we have to live it. Because if I know the truth and I don't live it, well, we've talked about it before. Does that truth then help me? If, if I'm a smoker and I know that smoking is bad for me and I continue to smoke, will my knowledge benefit me? My knowledge won't keep me from getting cancer. You know, think about it. That's what we do when I know a doctrine and I refuse to live it. What good does it do? None. Okay, so if I know that God loves me, I should live my life in the knowledge that God loves me. If I know that God is my provider, I should live my life knowing that God is my provider. If I, and so if there's not enough of me to go around, that means that God doesn't want me doing something. I think it was Lindy who told me that his, the pastor that he had, where is that, Green Bay? One of those Wisconsin people, whatever. Um, <laughs> but you're talking about finances. No, talking about time. 
Time is like money. If you don't have enough, that means you're probably spending it wrong. How about that? I think I paraphrased that a little bit, but close enough. It's the idea that matters. So we think about this. Who is your provider? Live like that. Who is the one that loves you? Live like that. Why did Jesus, why does Jesus love you? Live that out. Ask these questions. And then as God answers them through his word, through his people, live it out. Otherwise, you're going to become like Martha. Period. You're going to become anxious and distracted by many things. And you're not going to choose a good portion. That's the world that we live in right now. Isn't it? Who would look at America and say, wow, they are a peaceful people. You know what that means? We have the wrong view of God as a nation. Does our world look at the Christians and say, wow, they are living in peace? Nope. Even we as Christians miss it. We're not doing these things. We shouldn't be doing these things in order to appease God. But because God loves us. And his will is best. Any questions? Sounds simple. You know what? It's going to take humility. Be willing to say, you know what? Jesus loves me. Period. That takes humility. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. I thank you for this story. I pray that as we, as we go home and as we meditate upon these things, Lord, that you would guide us. That we might be lights into this world. Lord, that, that we might be lights into ourselves. That we might live out your truths. That we might trust you. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for giving us these truths so we don't have to figure them out. Lord, and I pray that as you reveal them to us, as we read your word, as we spend time with you, as you reveal to us truly your love for us and what that looks like and how that manifests, Lord, that we would live in faith, trusting you. Lord, I thank you. You are so good. In Jesus' name, amen.